to another edition of the Fantasy Fellow Show. I am your host, the Fellow KGB. You can follow me on Twitter at the Fellow KGB. Uh, today is August 13th. It's a Tuesday. We're going to be looking at uh, it's week two of the preseason. Today we're going to be looking at um, I kind of on my website I put up some tiers, but uh, it's a little bit way different way of doing tiers. Uh, we're looking at basically I'm, I'm looking at each team and I'm tiering. Uh, the strength of the players on that team that we're going to need to know for fantasy. Uh, ideally, you're going to want to you're going to want to target uh, better teams with more players. Uh, that usually means it's a better offense. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to kind of hop into. We're going to be looking at the AFC today. I'll do. I'll probably record a podcast with the NFC tomorrow once I'm done writing that up. But I'm going to do a, um, a screen share here, and we'll see what we're working with. So on the fantasyfellowship.com, I have uh, right here, AFC player team tiers. And basically we're gonna do it uh, by division. So we'll start with the AFC East. And typically the, the better the offense, the better, the more safe of an investment that is for fantasy football. You want good players on good teams. So of course we're gonna wanna target Chiefs. We're gonna wanna target a couple Patriots. We're gonna wanna target uh, some Texans, some Steelers, things like that. So the way I did this, um, you're going to see the better players on top. Um, and there's gaps accordingly based on the tiers. So, uh, and then I have some commentary about a paragraph for each uh, for each team. So if we just start and we look at the Buffalo Bills here, you're going to see that they have a couple blank spots on top. So there's really nobody elite on this offense for fantasy football purposes at least. Um, but the first player on the team that I have tiered is quarterback Josh Allen. And if you remember Josh Allen at the end of last year, he was playing at a QB one level. He was the number one scoring quarterback, I think from week 12 through week 17. Um, and you're probably not going to like, you know, a standard one quarterback league. You're not as excited to draft him, but if you're in a one quarterback league, Josh Allen's one of those guys you can sit on weight really late and pair him with another quarterback to see what you can get. You can potentially get a QB one out of Josh Allen because of his rushing upside. Um, so the Buffalo Bills, when we look at their team as a whole, the team's going to run through Josh Allen and they're going to do as he does. Um, there's some issues with the running back, uh, the group. We don't know who's going to get what and the playing time's going to probably split up pretty mattingly, matting, maddeningly, whatever that word is. But, but anyways, we're looking at Josh Allen. We're excited about his rushing upside. We're excited about the the new receivers they brought in, John Brown and uh, Cole Beasley. They drafted a tight end, and they brought in Tyler Croft at tight end. So they're surrounding him with some talent. Uh, Zay Jones is still there. But when you look at Buffalo as a whole, it's all about Josh Allen. So he would be the first Buffalo Bill I'd consider drafting. And then in that same tier with Allen, the offense is going to run through John Brown and Zay Jones. Now, all the reports out of Buffalo are that John Brown is like the clear go-to guy, and he matches up really, really well with Josh Allen because, well, John Brown, he can beat almost any cornerback deep. He's, you know, his name is Smokey. He can, he can get by, and Josh Allen's got that huge cannon of an arm 
where it just it fits really nicely. Um, so I love John Brown in best ball. Uh, John Brown was, if you remember, started last year with Baltimore, John Brown. He was maybe like a wide receiver too with Joe Flacco. So I can, I can kind of see Flacco and Josh Allen having uh, similar uh, playing styles. So I love John Brown there. He's in the second tier with Allen. And then Zay Jones is there as well because uh, he's the more prototypical wide receiver one on the team. I think he's like 6'2", over 200 pounds. Um, and he did have a nice report with uh, Allen at the end of last year. So when it gets to like the double-digit rounds of your draft, uh, Zay Jones and John Brown are potentially wide receiver ones on their team. Uh, it might be like a 1A, 1B kind of thing. But uh, I'm super interested in, in both of those guys. It doesn't really matter which one. I think I prefer Brown for now over, over Jones. But uh, I would bet that Jones leads the team in touchdowns and Brown probably leads the team in yards. And then Beasley, Beasley could even lead the team in reception. So it's going to be all broken up. Um, but then looking at the running backs, we have LaShawn McCoy, Devin Singletary on the list. I don't list Frank Gore and I don't list um, TJ Yeldon. It sounds like Yeldon's struggling in camp. He's not doing as well as they would hoped for. So it's looking like McCoy's going to start the year. And it seems like Singletary is getting a lot of reps with the ones. And it wouldn't surprise me by the end of the year if we see Singletary starting to to take over the, the RB1 role and as they get ready for the future. So not too much to be excited about Buffalo for fantasy football purposes, but uh, Josh Allen, John Brown, and Zay Jones, that would pretty much be it. Um, and then we'll move on to Miami real quick here. Uh, Kenyon, oh, there's a gap at the top. You see, I don't, you know, there's really not an elite player for fantasy on, on Miami, but Kenyon Drake would be the, the best player on this team. Uh, he was uh, RB14 last year in PPR leagues. Frank Gore was there and getting a ton of carries. A lot of people are getting excited about Kalen Balaj. Um, you know, it wouldn't surprise me to see Balaj kind of take that Frank Gore type role that he did last year. And so we're going to see Balaj get a lot of first and second down and short yardage work, maybe even goal line work. Uh, Drake's proven to be a solid goal line back when he needs to. Um, but as far as carries, Balaj will probably lead the team in carries, but we really shouldn't be expecting the Dolphins to be winning too many games this year, which means they're going to be passing and trying to keep up and come from behind. Um, so Kenyon Drake, he had like something like 73 targets last year and maybe like 50, 56 or 59 catches or something like that. So his third down role is not going to go away. He's still going to be there. So he finished RB14 with that with that role last year, and I think he's being drafted now around RB30, which presents uh, – I'm, I'm interested, you know, in that seventh, eighth round, you could potentially get an RB2. Um, probably a better best ball play. I don't know the consistency that we're going to see from him this year, but uh, the, the team's going to with, – with Fitzpatrick as the quarterback, you're going to have a, the group of receivers, Parker, Stills, and Wilson – who Albert Wilson at the moment right now is not healthy. He might not be ready to go start the year, which would, which would then bump up this rookie Preston Williams here, who's been lighting up, lighting up camp in preseason so far. Uh, he had four catches for 97 yards in the first preseason game, and he's got a great report with Rosen. So you're not worried about Williams if, if Rosen takes over at some point this year. But if we're just looking at the the receivers in Miami, uh, Devontae Parker. He's been so hot and cold, and I think he's in his fourth year in the league. 
he's hard to trust. Kenny Stills is a deep ball play. He's hard to trust week to week, probably a better best ball pick. Um, so I'm not really confident in any of the, the wide receivers here in Miami, even with Fitzpatrick. I mean, they might have some hot weeks, but I think that's going to be hard to to keep up week to week. So if I'm looking at Miami as a whole, they're going to be, they're going to be losing more games than winning. They're going to be throwing the ball more than they want to. And that means Kenyon Drake's going to be on the field more than Bellage. So, uh, and then just dump offs and uh, Drake's he's so elusive. He's one of the best players in space, get him the ball and short yard situation. He can get you a touchdown. So uh, I, I like Kenyon Drake at the current ADP. Uh, looking at New England, we have Julian Edelman ranked as elite. He's going anywhere in the end of the third, fourth rounds. Um, he's dealing with, a, I think he's nursing a broken thumb right now. I'm not really too concerned about that. It happened almost like a month ago, so he should be fine. He's being held at a training camp <clears throat> at the moment, so that's I don't mind that at all. He should be good, good to go week one. He's going to lead the team in targets and catches, probably in yards. And He's never been a touchdown guy, so expect like five or six touchdowns in that range. Um, he's, he looks great as your wide receiver two in PPR leagues, but I'm not going to be surprised if if he were to play a full 16 uh, games, he's going to finish as a wide receiver one. So um, draft Edelman if you can, if you're at, especially if you're at like the three, four turn, perfect spot to, to snag Edelman there. Um, so he's going to command the, the, the most passing volume. Um, and then if we're looking at running backs here, I have Sony Michelle and James White listed there. And basically, James White's a receiver. He's going to be the second most consistent guy behind Edelman. And he'll act as a – he was RB7 last year, so he was an RB1. Uh, we, have to, we have to expect some regression to come from that. So he's still going to probably finish in the top 20, top 24. So go ahead and continue drafting him as your RB2. But all the attention right now in this backfield is on Sony Michelle. He's been ramping up his workload all August into camp, and apparently he's been being more involved in the passing game, which is awesome to see. He was very dependent on the carries and touchdowns last year. And if he's getting, you know, three to four targets a game, getting an extra couple catches, that's going to make his, his PPR floor a lot, a lot safer. So I'm, I'm coming back on to Sony Michelle in, you know, the fourth, fifth, you know, rounds and, Tom Brady, he turns 42 this year. They're going to be trying to run the ball as much as they can. They win a ton of games. They like to run the ball at the end of the games. Um, so, yeah, Sony Michelle and James White are fantastic. Uh, all summer I've been kind of into the rookie they drafted, Damian Harris, and there hasn't really been too much buzz from him out of camp. He, they, he didn't really play. I don't think he did play at all in the first preseason game. Um, so we're still going to have to monitor Damian Harris if anything happened to Sony Michelle. I still think Harris would be the guy that steps into that role, but Rex Burkhead's there as well. So it's kind of a cloudy situation behind uh, Michelle and James White. So uh, Tom Brady's also listed in this tier. Um, he's just going to accumulate points. He'll, he'll, he's got a discount on ADP this year because people are concerned of a, of a fall off and then the lack of Gronk and other weapons. But uh, especially in a two quarterback league, get him as your super flex if you can. He's so steady and he doesn't make mistakes, so he's a pretty dependable guy. Um, maybe not as your QB1 in a, like a standard league, but uh, there might be guys with higher upside. But definitely Tom Brady as your QB2 or draft him as your backup. Put him on your bench and see what happens and play the matchups. 
the, the biggest question with the Patriots is we're looking at uh, who's going to emerge behind Edelman as the next best receiver. So I have Nikhil Harry, Maurice Harris, Jacoby Myers, and Philip Dorsett listed. Um, I think Philip Dorsett might be locked into the starting role just because he's been there for a while and he's, he's a veteran in that offense. He knows what he's doing. Um, but definitely the more exciting guys to be looking at right now are Nikhil Harry and Jacoby Myers. Um, Jacoby Myers went off uh, the first preseason game for two touchdowns. He's been running with the ones a lot so far the last couple of weeks. And he's been he's gotten the most consistent buzz every day out of Patriots camp. So it wouldn't surprise me if he if he was ahead of Harry on the depth chart. Um, I know a lot of people are excited about Nikhil Harry and what he can do. He did flash in the preseason game. He had a couple of nice catches, but um, Jacoby Myers is is flashing a little bit more than Harry. So um, I have Harry higher in the list just because there's more draft capital in him. They're going to want to see him on the field. So um, we'll have to continue to monitor this backup situation. But for now, I think the only guys we can trust are Edelman, Michelle, and James White on a week-to-week basis, and then Brady as your uh, your QB2. So um, we'll look at the New York Jets. Le'Veon Bell's locked into the top elite role on the depth chart. I'm still a little unsure of how the season's going to go. I think Ty Montgomery just got hurt today. He was looking like the clear number two. Um, but Le'Veon's going to provide a lot of help in the, the passing game for Sam Darnold. So he's going to have a pretty safe floor week to week. He might not rush for a touchdown every game or something like that, but he's going to be involved in the passing game, so we're interested. Um, I don't know if I'm, if I'm comfortable spending a first-round pick on him. He'd have to fall probably to – know the 13th or 14th pick for me to be interested so um and then I guess I have a gap here from from running back Le'Veon Bell to uh wide receiver Robbie Anderson and I have Robbie Anderson as the the clear number one receiver on this team you'll see uh Jamison Crowder and Quincy Nunoir are just a, a gap behind uh Anderson's probably the favorite to lead the team in touchdowns he was really coming on to last year with with Darnold at the end of the season and he was he wasn't just doing the the deep play routes that he's been kind of known for the last few years he was doing all kinds of stuff over the field middle of the field working all the areas um so I think Robbie Anderson he he can be your wide receiver three this year he's being drafted in that range and uh I mean if he finishes a wide receiver two I'm not going to be surprised um, the only concern with Anderson right now is that Jamison Crowder and Quincy and Nunwa are, are still there to eat up targets, and now Le'Veon Bell's there. So, uh, and Jamison Crowder has apparently been been just wowing everybody with uh, his slot game. He scored a touchdown in the first preseason game from Sam Darnold. Um, some of the beat writers are saying he's a 100-catch guy this year. Um, so he might steal some thunder from Le'Veon Bell and uh, Robbie Anderson. So especially because he doesn't really have a, a, a much of a draft capital in him. I think you can get him super late, like double digits rounds, like 12, 13, 14 even. It might be worth a flyer to, to snag Jamison Crowder, especially in PPR leagues, because um, they're saying that he might leave the team in receptions this year. So, and I guess I have a Nunwa listed because they're going to run Anderson, Crowder, and Nunwa on the field at the same time. A lot of three wide receiver sets, I think. Um, and if anything happens to Anderson or Crowder, Anunma would, would step into a starting caliber role for us in fantasy. But with all that said, I have Sam Darnold highlighted. 
in the end of that tier because it's going to be hard to predict which receiver week to week is the guy. And if, if we're giving Darnold, Le'Veon Bell, Robbie Anderson, Jamison Crowder, Quincy Nunwa, and then Chris Herndon when he comes back week five, Darnold's going to have a lot of solid weapons to throw the ball to. And I think Darnold might be, might be safest just to say, I'm going to take the head of this whole thing and not have to worry about uh, boom bust weeks from the receivers or Le'Veon Bell and uh, just take the whole thing and get Darnold. So I'm super into Darnold as my QB2 in super flex leagues. Um, and then we have a gap, and down there is Chris Herndon, who suspended the first four weeks. It's tough to draft a guy who suspended the first four weeks, especially at tight end. But if he's available, like super late, like you know, your last two or three rounds of the draft, uh, you can devise a plan to draft a tight end for the first four weeks, and then you get Herndon back and see what he can do. Because when he was healthy last year, he was playing, you know, like at a low t- tight end one level, and He's been looking good in, in camp so far as well. So, uh, But overall, I think I, I would just feel safest with taking Darnold and then collecting everybody else's points that way. So um, that'll wrap up the AFC East, and we'll head on down here to the north. Um, we'll start with Baltimore here. They're going to run the – they're going to lead the league in rushing attempts this year, uh, especially with Lamar Jackson – um, Mark Ingram's a starting running back there. He's going to get as much as he can handle as well. Um, Mark Ingram, he's going around round four, round five right now. He's going to be an RB two if he plays the full full healthy season, and if especially if he's more involved in the passing game, he has upside of RB one. Um, so I really like Ingram at the back of the fourth, early fifth round in that range. The team's just going to run the ball, so it just makes sense and. A team with that good of a defense, they're going to keep running the ball even when, like, they're behind. You know, that's just how they get back into it. And Lamar Jackson's going to rush for Tony yards. He's probably going to run an extra five or six touchdowns in. So if you're in a league and you wanted to wait on quarterback, Lamar Jackson is probably my ideal candidate for waiting on quarterback right now. He's going to improve in his passing game a little bit. They added some weapons, uh, some receivers. They got the tight ends coming back. And he's had a full year to to just get used to this offense and what they want to do with him. So, uh, and he's just got that amazing rushing floor built into his fantasy weekly upside. So, super into Lamar Jackson. Get him as if you can get him as your QB two in a super flex. I think that's super dangerous because it's just like getting a running back that can throw touchdowns. So, I think that's a super good idea to get uh, Jackson in super flex leagues. Um, so we got a small gap here, and then we're looking at his, his best receiving weapon is going to be Mark Andrews this year. So if you wanted to wait on tight end, I'd suggest looking for Andrews and pairing him with somebody else at the back end, end of the draft. Um, he's kind of clearly separated himself as, the, as himself as the most comfortable target for Jackson. Um, he could lead the league in tu- he could lead the team in touchdowns. He was the tight end 17 or 16 last year as a rookie. It wouldn't surprise me if he finishes as a tight end one. So uh, keep an eye out for Mark Andrews. And then we have a bunch of complimentary players here in Willie Sneed, rookies Miles Boykin, and Marquise Brown. First round pick from last year, Hayden Hurst, and then Justice Hill. All of these guys are going to be complimentary players. Uh, Willie Sneed, he had some good games with, with Jackson last year. He's a sneaky guy that can get you five or six receptions every week probably give you like a 10, 11 point floor most weeks. Um, and he's basically free in draft. So as your last pick, Willie Sneed wouldn't, wouldn't be a terrible spot. 
but Miles Boykin's been the best receiver in camp. It sounds like he gives Boykin or he gives Jackson that like prototypical uh, wide receiver one build. He's a big dude. He's he tested just as well as DK Metcalf at the combine. Super fast. He's strong, and he's probably going to be the wide receiver one for Lamar Jackson of the future. So keep an eye on Boykin. Super interesting guy for dynasty leagues. Uh, and it sounds like Marquise Brown's slowly coming along. I think he practiced today. Not really sure how much to expect from him his rookie year. He's behind. Um, so I don't know if I'm into drafting Marquise Brown until we see a little more. Maybe in the preseason, if something pops off, we'll do it. But uh, his, his, he's probably going to be pretty inconsistent week to week. So I'm still a little cautious with uh, Marquise Brown. Uh, and I guess Hayden Hurst is still there if anything happens to Andrews. Hurst would step into that that tight end role. It sounds like Lamar Jackson's really queuing in on tight ends in this offense uh, in the middle of the field. Um, and then Justice Hill. Justice Hill was he was the fastest running back at the draft this year. I think he had the highest spark score as well. Super elusive. Uh, he had a play in the first preseason game where he just caught a screen and he just kind of hit this other gear and just kind of went by a guy. So I'm expecting uh, the Ravens to use Hill in the passing game. And if anything happens to Ingram or if Hill's just working better than Ingram, we're going to see Hill get a lot of usage. Uh, I guess Gus Edwards and Kenneth Dixon are still there. I'm not sure if Dixon's going to make the team, but uh, Gus Edwards would be the primary backup if Ingram goes down. But I still think Justice Hill's going to carve himself out a role uh, in the passing game. So super excited about the Ravens. They're going to run the ball and play good defense. So bank on the running game and uh, Lamar Jackson. Uh, Looking at the Bengals, the Bengals have had a rough offseason. Um, they've lost two starting offensive linemen. Uh, Joe Mixon is like the guy at the top because AJ Green suffered an ankle injury and he's out. I think they said four to six weeks. He might be able to come back, you know, week two, three or four in that range. But as of right now, we have to assume he's going to be gone the first month. So this leaves, uh, Joe Mixon as the featured guy in this offense. He's being, he's being drafted in the mid second round. He's going to probably compete for I think he was really high on he had like almost 1200 rushing yards last year so it it really depends on this offensive line Joe Mixon's one of the best running backs in the league but the team isn't really a quality team built around him Uh, we're not sure the Bengals are going to be winning too many games but Mixon's involved enough in the passing game to make him worth you know your RB1 selection Uh, he he looks better as an RB2 so if you want to start RBRB that's where I'm more into Mixon um, just because he's got he's got league winning rushing upside, um, and he's got the passing game built into his uh, into his floor. So uh, don't worry about Mixon's lack of quality around him. Good players are good players, but uh, and may, who knows? Maybe the first four weeks of the year, while AJ Green's gone, they just give him the ball every single play, and like I don't know, Mixon to me is a top five talent. I just I don't know if this is the year where he he transcends all that and rewards us, but um, but yeah, he's a round two pick right now. I might prefer guys like I definitely prefer Nick Chubb. I prefer Dalvin Cook, James Conner. So there's a couple guys in his tier that I'm willing to take over, you know, on better teams. But so just monitor that if Mixon falls, go ahead and take him. But not too excited about having Bengal players this year. Um, we mentioned A.J. Green's out, so down a tier, we have a, uh, Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd got a pretty nice contract not too long ago, and he's going to be the main man at receiver for the first few weeks. 
Uh, I think he could perform as a wide receiver too, but he probably looks best as a wide receiver three on your team. Uh, when AJ Green returns, that's going to limit his upside. So he's probably going to end up finishing as a wide receiver three this year. Um, I just I, again, I'm not really too excited about the Bengals' offense. Offensive line's not the greatest. The defense is is one of the the bottom five teams in the league. So they they might be throwing the ball enough, so he could get volume, you know, to p- propel him into wide receiver two or three. But but he, I'm just nervous that. Uh, with AJ Green out, they're going to be able to to shut down Boyd and and just focus on mixing and stuff like that. So, um, after the receivers Boyd and Green, we have Andy Dalton, Tyler Eifert, John Ross. Uh, not too excited to draft any of these guys. Andy Dalton, if, if AJ Green were healthy, I'd probably say Andy Dalton's a QB two in superflex leagues. But we really we don't really have a lot of faith in this Bengals offense at the moment right now, uh, especially just being with the new coach. Uh, a lot of young players, offensive line is a question mark. Uh, Tyler Eifert could be worth a pick the first four weeks. Uh, as long as he's healthy, he's a tight end one. And with A.J. Green out, I could see myself drafting Tyler Eifert just to see what he's got the first few weeks of the year. So I don't I don't hate Eifert. Uh, he's got a, a good history with Andy Dalton. And uh, when he plays, he's always been a touchdown threat. So I'd consider Eifert real late. John Ross is dealing with a hamstring. Probably not going to be on our draft lists, but uh, Giovanni Bernard at the bottom there. Um, he could be a handcuff for Mixon. I don't really know if he has standalone value. Uh, they say they want to get him the ball more, and he could get the ball. He could get more snaps with AJ Green being gone. But uh, overall, I don't know if I'm going to be too excited about Bengals besides Joe Mixon this year. So we'll move on to Cleveland here, where we're super excited about the, the Browns' whole offense. Um, they have one of the biggest uh, elite tiers with Odell Beckham, Nick Chubb, and Baker Mayfield. All of these guys have top five potential at their positions. Uh, I mean, Beckham's played with Eli Manning his whole career, so we really don't even know if we've seen the best of Odell Beckham. You know, he, he could be the wide receiver one this year. He's going around wide receiver four or five, sometimes six. Uh, I think he's worth like the 11th, 12th pick overall, especially if you have – if you're in the 12th spot, you get two picks right there, you should probably take Beckham with one of those two. Um, Nick Chubb has – so the Browns traded Duke Johnson, and this pretty much means Nick Chubb is going to be the, the like the main guy there. They have Dontrell Hilliard, who's a rookie, who who's going to take Duke Johnson's like third down pass catching role. But this just means to me that Nick Chubb's going to get a little bit more passing volume than normal. Um Nick Chubb's probably going to be – he's got a really good chance to lead the league in rushing this year. Super fine runner. He can catch the ball well. He blocks well. He does everything well. And this team's going to be one of the top offenses in the league. They're going to win – they're going to win more games than not. They're going to they're gonna be running the ball probably more than most people think. And I, I love Nick Chubb, especially if you can get him anywhere in round two, do it. Um, and then Baker Mayfield, just because we're so excited about this offense – I think he's being drafted around the fifth or sixth quarterback off the board. Uh, his upside is top five. He could be anywhere, you know, two, three, four, five, anywhere in that range. So there's not too much value to be had from his, his ADP, but um, you're securing the quarterback of one of the top five offenses in the league, and they got a lot of weapons. So um, if you can't get Beckham or Chubb, just get Mayfield, and you're good to go. You got one of the, the, the core pieces of the Browns offense. Um, so after that top tier, we have Jarvis Landry and David Njoku. 
Uh, Jarvis Landry can be your wide receiver three. Uh, he's going to probably be a little more dependable this year than he was last year with all the attention on, on Beckham and Chubb. Um, David Njoku, he was the tight end one last year. I think he takes the biggest hit from Odell Beckham coming to town. Um, I'm, I'm nervous about Njoku. I don't know if he's going to be consistent enough week to week for us to want to start him every week. He's a better best ball play for me. So I'm still into Njoku. I just, I'm a little unsure of his week to week consistency. Um, but then we got Rashard Higgins down there at the bottom. He's going to be the wide receiver three in this offense. And he, it sounds like he's been doing fantastic. I think he caught the touchdown in preseason, the week one game where the Browns are in the two minute offense. Um, and then Antonio Callaway's got the suspension. It seems like Higgins got the starting job on lock. So consider Higgins with one of your last draft picks. If anything happens to Landry or Beckham, you know, knock on wood, but you got something there with Higgins. He's got a good history with Mayfield so far. Um, so that's going to wrap up the Browns. Uh, we'll, we'll look at the Steelers here. Uh, at elite tier, we have Juju Smith-Schuster and James Conner. Uh, not really much needs to be said about these guys. Juju Smith-Schuster's got upside, you know, to be the wide receiver one. He could lead the, the league in, in receptions and targets. It went, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me to, lead, to see him lead the league in yards or touchdowns even. So the, the whole thing is wide open with Juju. You're going to get uh, a super consistent player. He's going to be the main focus on, you know, the defensive side of the ball. But Roethlisberger has been known to just feed feed his guys. So. Uh, take Juju Smith-Schuster, especially if you're at that 12, you know, spot 12-13. You could legit start your team, Odell Beckham and Juju Smith-Schuster. I think that would be pretty sick. Um, James Conner, he's probably more of a second round, like a high second round pick. He's going to get as much as he can in the running game. He's a fantastic pass catcher. He's a blocker. Um, he had some injury concerns last year. He missed a few games. Uh, but or I'm not really too concerned about that. This team's going to be a good offense. They're going to they're going to run the ball when they get close to the end zone. And Connor is going to be an RB one this year as long as he plays you know the full slate of games. So uh, drafts Juju, draft Connor. Then we have a gap, and then we have the complementary guys of Vance McDonald, Dante Moncrief, and James Washington. Uh, all these guys are worth a look because. We have so many extra targets now that Antonio Brown and uh, Jesse James are gone. We don't really know who's going to be the biggest beneficiary. It seems like they're going to try to to use the strengths of Moncrief and Washington to kind of supplement the the Antonio Brown loss. Washington can stretch the field uh, vertically really well. And Moncrief is kind of like a jack of all trades. He can do almost anything pretty well. Uh, Moncrief, I think he's 25. He's uh, He's been on a few teams. He actually... He played pretty well last year with the Jaguars, even though they, they were, had inconsistent quarterback play. So I'm open to Moncrief being the wide receiver, too, on this team. But uh, it wouldn't surprise me if Vance McDonald is, is the biggest beneficiary of Antonio Brown being gone. He had, like, 72 targets last year. I think he had, like, 50 catches, 50 for 72, something like that. Um, so McDonald's going to be a tight end one this year. He's got, you know, top six, seven upside. Um, and then there's Ben Roethlisberger. Roethlisberger was quarterback two last year. We have to, you know, expect some regression with no Antonio Brown. But I think he's still a top 15 quarterback, and he's being drafted well outside the top 12. 
So Roethlisberger seems like a value if you wanted to wait on quarterback and get Ben Roethlisberger. He looks best as a, as a quarterback, too, in super flex leagues. Um, so anybody in that tier is, is worth a roster spot. Um, Moncrief in Washington might be a little bit more boom bust week to week and could be better best ball players. But I think uh, at the end of the day, we're going to see Antonio Brown's uh, majority of his stats split up between Moncrief and Washington and McDonald. So all those guys are decent buys at ADP. And then guys to monitor are just Jalen Samuels and rookie Deontay Johnson. Uh, mm-hmm. If anything happens to Connor or the other wide receivers, we'll, we'll see these guys get to be the next man up. So um, with that, we'll wrap up the AFC North. So we'll move on down to the AFC South, and we'll start with the Houston Texans. We have DeAndre Hopkins and Deshaun Watson as the elite tier of this team. I mean, the team's just going to run through DeAndre Hopkins. Um, If you can stack DeAndre Hopkins and Deshaun Watson, I think that's a pretty cool idea. Watson has more appeal to me in two quarterback leagues. I think he's more worth the price at that point, but he's being drafted as a quarterback two right now. I don't know if he's going to be able to beat Mahomes. So you're basically drafting him to be the quarterback, too. If he does any less, that's kind of a loss of position. So he's kind of a gamble at the uh, in a standard, you know, uh, one quarterback league. But I love Hopkins in the mid-round of the first. Uh, continue to draft Hopkins as your wide receiver one. And uh, Watson's going to finish top five, I think, for sure. So, uh, But, again, he looks better in super flex leagues. Uh, there's a slight gap. To the next tier, we have complimentary players Wolf Fuller, Lamar Miller, Kiki Cutie, and a newly acquired Duke Johnson. Uh, Kiki Cutie got hurt in the first preseason game against the Packers and looked like he sprained his, his right ankle. He's probably not going to be doing anything the rest of the preseason, but it sounds like he's going to be good to go for week one. Not excited to draft kiki cutie as much anymore uh, i think we're gonna i'll probably still end up drafting him with with the discount but uh he's he's had trouble staying healthy uh last year and then it looks like that's continuing this year but it's all about will fuller they've been monitoring his reps in, in practice trying to make sure he stays healthy the team is, is just so much better when will fuller's in there <clears throat> so i expect will fuller to when he's healthy he's going to be a wide receiver too and uh he's looking He's looking like a much better buy now that, now that Kiki Cutie's been kind of uh, on the shelf. Um, so we have Lamar Miller and Duke Johnson, who they just traded for. Lamar Miller is still going to be like the main first and second down back, but he's probably going to lose almost all of his passing down work to Duke Johnson. Uh, Lamar Miller has an – I think he's going around uh, running back 30. He was a top 24 running back last year. I don't know if he has that top 24 upside anymore, but when it gets to, you know, the eighth, ninth round of the draft, um, Miller, he can, he's probably going to get you a steady amount of carries and he could be a pretty consistent uh, uh, high floor running back, you know, for us. So, um, but I'm, I'm probably more excited about Duke Johnson because he's going to get, you know, four to five, hopefully four to five receptions a game. And we'll start to see what he can do. He's going to get more carries than he has in Cleveland last year. Um, so if you could pair Lamar Miller with with Duke Johnson and see what happens. Um, but uh, anyways, all these guys, Fuller, Miller, QT, Johnson, all of them are complimentary players in this offense and should be worth a look at ADP. Uh, tight end there, Jordan Thomas, he's going to be the starting tight end. 
for the year. He had some report with uh, with Watson last year. I think he caught four touchdowns in his rookie year. So uh, keep an eye on Thomas. And then we'll move on to the Colts. The Colts are kind of in a tricky situation with Andrew Luck right now. Um, there's some conflicting reports on his calf injury. No one's really sure like where exactly it is. Some say the foot, some say the ankle, some say the calf. So I'm getting kind of nervous about Andrew Luck. They don't really know what's wrong with him. They don't really have a timetable. They brought up Kevin Durant's name and saying that he needs more rest. Um, makes me nervous about the Colts, man. Um, T.Y. Hilton's the wide receiver one there. He's still elite. But if, if Andrew Luck gets hurt or misses any time, uh, it's, it's a significant drop-off down to Jacoby Brissett. So – you have to really wait and see what happens with Luck before we start uh, getting excited about Hilton. But it sounds like Hilton's having himself a fantastic camp. Um, he's going probably as early as beginning of round three. Um, he looks he looks promising, but I'm I'm just nervous about Luck right now. So uh, that that's going to probably trickle down into my uh, my thoughts on Marlon Mack and Eric Ebron. <clears throat> Marlon Mack's going to be the the primary running back there, but he loses all of his pass-catching work to Naheem Hines. If the Colts are winning games, Marlon Mack's going to be able to grind out the fourth quarters and and potentially flirt with running back one numbers. Um, but uh, as far as his ADP goes, he's probably being drafted uh, end of third, early fourth round. I think there's other attractive options there. But uh, Mack's going to lead the team in carries, probably rushing touchdowns. Uh, and then we have Eric Ebron there, who could lead the team in receiving touchdowns. He's definitely going to not have the season he had last year unless Doyle gets injured again. Um, but the team also brought in <clears throat> Devin Funches and Paris Campbell, so there's there's a lot of uncertainty with who gets the targets there. Um, so, I don't know, the Colts are a tough nut to crack overall. We don't really know what's going to happen with Luck. We don't know how the targets and everything's going to be, be siphoned out. It's definitely one of the more elite offenses that we're going to have to keep an eye on. So I think we're just on hold with the Colts right now. Um, if you're drafting like this week, I might not be comfortable drafting any Colts right now. Um, so just continue monitor, monitoring that situation, and uh, we'll move on here to Jacksonville. Uh, the Jaguars are not a very attractive fantasy offense for us this year, but Leonard Fournette's going to be the, the, the main guy in this team. He's being more involved in the passing game, and he's got a current ADP around – mid third early third um, when he's healthy he's an RB1 they got that defense there to help the the run game scripts for them and uh, Nick Foles brings a steady leadership to the offense and they should be more efficient so I'm, I'm, I'm actually open to Leonard Fournette being an RB1 this year if he can play 12 13 14 games I think he's got something there but I mean he's a risk with the injury history the hamstrings the legs Everything about that is a little bit uh, nerve-wracking, but when he plays, don't be surprised if you see Leonard Fournette uh, finishing as an RB1 most weeks. Um, so he's the main man there. There's a small gap, and then we got D.D. Westbrook. Sounds like Westbrook's been the most impressive receiver in camp. He's probably going to lead the team in receptions, and it sounds like Nick Foles has taken a liking to him. So he would be the only other guy that I'd feel comfortable drafting. Uh, Nick Foles and, and Chris Conley are the next guys. Uh, Foles could be a super flex or, or quarterback too. Uh, I'd like to see a little bit more preseason action to see how he's looking in that offense, but it sounds like Chris Conley's uh, established himself as a starter. And then we got uh, DJ Chark and Keelan Cole there. 
And it also sounds like Chark has established himself as a starter. Uh, as we saw uh, Conley, Westbrook, and Chark, none of them played in the first preseason game, but Keelan Cole did. So continuing to monitor the, the backup receiver jobs there, but Jacksonville is all about Leonard Fournette and D.D. Westbrook. Uh, looking at the Titans here, I don't really know if I have anyone that I would consider elite on this team just yet for fantasy, but in the second tier, we have Derrick Henry and Corey Davis. Uh, Derrick Henry is one of the best running backs in the league. It's just the only question with, with the Titans is, can they establish the run? Can they, can they win games and, and be running in the fourth quarter? So it, it's kind of setting up Derrick Henry to be kind of boom and bust. Um, Henry probably goes around late third, fourth round range. Uh, there's still some other running backs in that range where I'd rather take a chance with them. But Henry, main problem with Henry is he doesn't catch any passes. Um, he's not very sexy in PPR leagues. He looks better in a standard, you know, a standard old school league. But um, I'm, I mean, I'm open to Henry potentially, you know, leading the, the league in rushing yards and carries and all that good stuff, like touchdowns even. But uh, he's, he still presents a, a bit of a risk. He's almost as risky as Leonard Fournette to me. Um, so he's, I'm, I still need to see a little bit more from Mariota and see that, uh, that the offense is going to be more successful this year before I invest. But uh, after Henry, we have Corey Davis. And this kind of ties in with Mariota too. Mariota was terrible last year. Uh, Davis finished as like wide receiver 27, I believe. So I'm his and Davis's ADP is like in the wide receiver 30 range. So he's kind of presenting a value, whereas Henry, he's I think he's more being drafted around his ceiling. Um, and I mean, Davis is the wide receiver one there. They're going to, he's going to be the guy Mariota looks to when he needs to play. Otherwise um, they did bring in Adam Humphreys. And from the first preseason game, it looked like Mariota was super comfortable throwing to Adam Humphreys. So I like Corey Davis, but there's a lot of cloudiness on this roster right now, especially starting with Mariota. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if Humphreys led the team in receptions. Uh, Davis will lead him in yards and touchdowns probably, but uh, it's a little bit unknown at the moment. So I'm not too excited about the Titans offense as a whole. I don't know if they need to be part of our draft plan at this point. But, uh, I mean, Derek Henry, Corey Davis, Adam Humphreys, those are the three guys that stick out to me. And then complimentary guys are A.J. Brown, Delaney Walker. Um, and then we got Mariota and Deion Lewis. I think Deion Lewis is probably being underrated at this point right now. He's going to get all the passes he can get from the running back position. And, uh, and especially in a PPR best ball league, that's where Lewis starts to look attractive. And he should be, he should be targeted, you know, in those late double-digit rounds. Uh, especially if anything happens to Henry, we got something pretty good there with Deion Lewis. So. Uh, continue to monitor the Titans in the preseason. We want to see how Mariota's looking. But even if Mariota falters, it looks like Ryan Tannehill's in a good shape. Um, Tannehill, I think he threw two touchdowns the other night in the first preseason game. So this offense might not be terrible if Mariota's not in it. Um, so I'm open, I'm open to the Titans giving us some fantasy value with, with Henry Davis and Humphreys potentially even Delaney Walker, or even Deion Lewis. But uh, I'm not really like willing to pay a, a high price on any of these guys. I'd probably settle for Humphreys and Deion Lewis if I had to. So, but yeah, just keep an eye on the Titans. We'll move on down here to the AFC West, who we'll wrap up with. Um, we'll start with the Broncos. They're going to run the ball. 
and rely on their defense. They just signed Theo Riddick, but Riddick is on the shelf for six to eight weeks. I can't remember when he got hurt, but he got hurt the first preseason game. So we're back to Lindsey and Freeman being a 50-50 split. They keep saying they want to pass the ball to Lindsey more, and they're going to give more carries to Freeman. So it sounds like we're looking at a pretty even split here where Freeman's going to – I mean, they're going to get about the same amount of touches, but Freeman just gets more carries, Lindsey gets more catches kind of thing. Um, and with Lindsey's ADP price of like late fourth, early fifth, I'm more open to, to waiting on Freeman in the eighth or ninth rounds. Uh, he's going to probably lead the team in rushing touchdowns, and he's just a, a really good fit for, for the new coaching style, uh, what they're going to be doing with the zone, the zone read play and the zone gap stuff. So um, Denver's going to run the ball. I would recommend the running backs there. Um, outside of uh, Emmanuel Sanders at receiver, I'm not sure I can trust Cortland Sutton just yet. Joe Flacco has been known to lock on to, court, uh, to receivers such as like Steve Smith, Anquan Bolden, uh, Derek Mason. He's, he's into really reliable, good route runners. So to me, that's Sanders. It sounds like Sanders is almost healthier than he's ever been. So Sanders is presenting a value to me in the double-digit rounds. Uh, Sutton's going to be boom-bust. He's probably better off in a, in a best ball league. So, um, so yeah, pretty much Lindsey, Freeman, and Sanders are the only guys I think I can trust on a week-to-week basis. Uh, and then we got Joe Flacco and Noah Font. Both those guys are going to be boom-bust every week. Um, Flacco could be streamable in some really juicy matchups. Like if he's playing, if he's playing the Chiefs or if he's playing the Raiders, I might be open to throwing Flacco out there, but – not probably, probably not a guy we want to have like on our draft plan. So, and then same for Noah Font. It sounds like uh, the Broncos have been up and down with him in camp so far, where they want <clears throat> a little more effort and and more try hardness out of him. <clears throat> but it sounds like uh, he can make big plays, but they just don't really see the consistency there yet. So, might be another year before we see Font become a a relevant fantasy option for us. So. We'll move on to Kansas City, and this is the team that we're going to want to make sure we get as many players as we can from. Uh, elite tiers, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, and Patrick Mahomes. All of these guys, I mean, Kelsey's going to be the number one tight end. Mahomes is going to be the number one wide receiver or the number one quarterback. And it's not going to surprise me if Tyreek Hill is the number one wide receiver this year. Uh, draft all those guys at ADP and don't really think twice about it. Uh, Mahomes is... is flirting with like a, a fourth or fifth overall pick in two quarterback super flex leagues, which is, is insane because he just came off an MVP season throwing 50 touchdowns. And it's not that crazy to think that he's not going to be too far off of what he did last year. You know, he could actually even be better with the new additions they brought in uh, for the weaponry. So I love all those guys. Get them when you can. Uh, Kelsey's the end of the first, Hill's the end of the first, early second, Mahomes is around three. And all of those guys, you really can't uh, knock on them for whatever spot they go at. So after that elite tier, we have Damian Williams and Sammy Watkins. Both these guys are complementary players to the main guys and will have their weeks where they boom. Uh, Damian Williams was hurt with a hamstring injury, but now he's back and running in practices again. And he took his number one spot like right away. Um, it sounds like, though, they're open to a running back competition with Carlos Hyde, Darwin Thompson, and Daryl Williams. Uh, Thompson looked really good in the first preseason game the other night, and 
it's just I think it's just a matter of time with him before they they realize that he's he's the biggest playmaker on the team. So I'm I'm kind of shying away from Damian Williams at ADP. I think that price is too high. If I can't get Kelsey Hill or Mahomes, I'll wait for for <clears throat> I'll wait for Watkins. <clears throat> or and if I have to, I'll wait for Miko Hardman. But I'm definitely making sure I grab Darwin Thompson real late in my drafts. So, so yeah, I don't know, man. The Chiefs running back, like, it's going to produce no matter who it is. Damian Williams doesn't really have a track record. They have Carlos Hyde there who could steal goal line opportunities. It seems a little more risky to, to invest in Williams and Carlos Hyde when they have this sixth-round running back who's making tons of plays. He's super athletic. He's stronger than he looks. And then even Daryl Williams is still there. So I've been kind of playing with a draft plan where I walk away with Darwin Thompson and Daryl Williams as my last couple picks um, just to, to make sure if anything happens to Williams or Hyde, I got the next man up. And Chiefs RB, they can win championships. So we'll see how that rotation goes. But for now, we're going to draft all the Chiefs we can get our hands on. I didn't really talk about Sammy Watkins, but it sounds like he's healthy and ready to go. He only played a full eight games last year. He appeared in two other games, but when he was on the field, I think his, his averages were, I think he had 39 receptions for like 515 yards and three touchdowns, which would mean if he played a full 16 games, that would have put him at 78 catches, 1,030 yards and about six touchdowns. So that probably would have been a wide receiver too. So I know he's injury prone and people get a little uh, like annoyed of that, but his ADP is starting to slip into the seventh, eighth round range where it's like sometimes you just got to take a risk and Watkins for that price seems like a good risk. So uh, with that, we'll move on to the chargers. I don't really want to talk too much about Melvin Gordon, trying to make it as simple as possible. If you're drafting right now, it's probably best to just avoid him. Um, But if he plays, he's a top five running back. If he doesn't play, this makes Austin Eckler uh, a top 15, 16 running back for PPR leagues. And it's also going to make Justin Jackson probably a top 24 running back. Both those guys are going to work in tandem with Jackson probably being the first and second down back. Eckler's going to maintain his third down role, but he'll probably get a little bit more usage in the running game. So I love both those guys. And even if Gordon is, is ready to go week one, Eckler, he's still going to be a flex play. Uh, Justin Jackson, Melvin Gordon has never really been healthy for a full 16-game season. So at some point, Justin Jackson is going to be valuable for us. So I'm trying not to really think too hard about uh, the Melvin Gordon situation, but I just know that Eckler is probably the safest bet around, you know, around six range. So I love, I love grabbing him as my – at the time he'll be a flex, but <clears throat> he, it wouldn't surprise me if he finishes an RB2 this year. So enough on Gordon. We'll, we'll look at the other elite player, Keenan Allen. <clears throat> He's going to flirt with low-end wide receiver one numbers this year. Tyrell Williams is gone, but Hunter Henry's back. So I'm, I'm expecting more of what we have saw the last couple of years from Keenan Allen. So it's another 1,200 yards, another 100 receptions another seven touchdowns or so. <clears throat> so Allen looks really good as a, wide, uh, as a wide receiver one or a wide receiver two in that third round range. So, But after get, uh, Gordon and Allen, we have a gap to Hunter Henry. Uh, Henry missed the whole season last year with an ACL, uh, but everything seems to be going strong for this training camp. Uh, Henry's going to step into the middle of the field 
and he's he's got a good chance to lead the team in touchdowns this year. Um, last time we saw Hunter Henry, I can't remember his exact amount of touchdowns he had, and he was still playing with Antonio Gates, so it's reasonable to expect a top five season out of Hunter Henry. He's going in you know the fifth and sixth round range, <clears throat> so I'm more inclined to draft a higher upside running backs and receivers at that range. So I haven't been getting too many shares of Henry, of Henry but I get it. Um, Rivers has always been successful with a tight end. But uh, I don't know. I'm, uh, there's, there's a lot of mouths to feed here in L.A. with the running backs with Keenan Allen, Tyrell Williams, or not Tyrell Williams, but Mike Williams. So I just I haven't been getting Henry, but I, I, I get it. He's got top five upside, so. Um, but after Henry, there's Mike Williams, who is probably the favorite to lead the team in touchdowns. I think he looks best in the best ball situation. I don't really know if we can trust him week to week, but I'm open to I'm open to seeing if he can do it. Uh, I think he's a wide receiver three for now, but uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he finishes as a top 24 receiver. And then Philip Rivers is there at the bottom. Uh, man, Philip Rivers, he's just he's just so consistent. If you wanted to wait on quarterback, he doesn't really have a high like upside to him, but he's going to flirt with quarterback one numbers all season. <clears throat> uh, he doesn't rush. He doesn't get any running yards. That's what that's probably my biggest thing with Philip Rivers is if he has a bad game, he just has a bad game. Whereas like if Lamar Jackson goes out and has a bad game, throws like three picks and like 180 yards like for passing, he's still going to get me eight to ten points on the ground. So. Uh, with Phil Rivers, you get you're going to get some high highs and some low lows, but overall the Chargers' offense is exciting. I'd recommend drafting. If we hear back from Gordon, draft Melvin Gordon at ADP, Keenan Allen, uh, Hunter Henry, Eckler, even Mike Williams in the sixth or seventh round. Uh, this Chargers' offense is going to be pretty good this year, so uh, make sure you grab one of them. Uh, and then we'll finish here with Oakland Raiders. Who I'm I'm really not too excited about the Raiders. Uh, there's a there's no elite player on this offense mainly because of the spotty offensive line play and uh, just the inconsistencies of Derek Carr. I don't really know if Antonio Brown's the, a good fit with Derek Carr. I think he's going to be pretty frustrated with his quarterback, and we're going to see a lot of boom bust weeks um, where where Carr is just not on the same page with Antonio. They haven't been building chemistry at all because he's been out with the foot injury in the helmet issue and it costs us a late second to early third round pick for Antonio Brown. I'm just not interested in getting a part of the drama, a part of uh, the feet. Just it's, it, I think it's going to be somewhat of a circus year. So I'm, I'm avoiding Antonio Brown at all costs. Uh, the next best player on the Raiders would be Josh Jacobs, which this kind of goes in hand with, I just, I don't feel comfortable drafting Raiders at all. I'm super excited about Josh Jacobs potential. But, uh, I mean, I don't really know if we can expect the Raiders' offense to be something to get excited about this year. Um, the offensive line's not anything to be excited about. Uh, the defense is it's, it's going to be a bottom five or bottom ten defense. And Jacobs is probably going to yield some passing down work to Jalen Richard, who excelled at that last year. So then I, I really just don't know how much uh, volume Jacobs is going to get. I don't know how many rushing touchdowns near the goal line he's going to get. I just I just feel better just avoiding Oakland as a whole. But uh, they do have Tyrell Williams there. They have Darren Waller as the tight end, starting tight end now that Jerry Cook's gone. 
Those guys are probably a little bit more interesting because their ADP is just way cheaper. You can get Williams really late. You can get uh, Waller even later. Um, and we just have Derek Carr and Jalen Richard. Uh, Carr, I think he finished as a quarterback 18 last year. He could be used as a two quarterback in a super flex league. Um, Carr might have one of his best seasons of his career with just being with Antonio Brown and Tyrell Williams and, and Josh Jacobs. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I think there's going to be a lot of ups and downs with Antonio Brown, especially early on. Um, he hasn't been able to practice, hasn't been around the team. So I'm a little, little iffy on that, but uh and then there's just Jalen Richard there. Uh, he's going to get some third down passing work. If Josh Jacobs gets injured, uh, Rich Richard's going to be on the field a lot more. So, but overall, uh, I don't I don't think you need an Oakland Raider to win your league this year. So, um, but yeah, that'll pretty much cover the AFC West for today. I'm going to stop the screen share. Um, thank you for listening. That's going to end today's podcast. We went through all the AFC West teams and looked at them like in tiered uh, rankings based on how the offense is going to move the ball. I'm, I'm busy writing the, I have a write up for each uh, team here, a paragraph or so. <clears throat> and tomorrow I'll be finishing the NFC tiers uh, and I'll probably record the NFC podcast tomorrow. So look out for that. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, like subscribe, hit the bell for notifications, leave a comment, whatever you got to do. Uh, we can be found anywhere on, you know, podcasting sites, Spotify, Apple iTunes, Google, all that good stuff. We're hosted by Anchor, so you can check us out all on there. And, uh, yeah, man, thank you for listening. Have a good night. We'll see you next time. Yeah.